Hey, what's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode number 39 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. In this episode, I'm just going to speak about a few things, which include UFC Fight Night, uh, Dillashaw vs. Cruz, the movies The Hateful Eight and The Big Short. So, advanced spoiler alert. <clears throat> cool website that I just uh, heard about on uh, another podcast. I think it was Ari's podcast. Um, and what else? The Democratic Town Hall that just took place on January 25th. And I'm going to round it off with a couple of stories that resonated with me from Zen Flesh, Zen Bones, the book that I'm currently reading. So if any of that sounds like anything that you may be interested in, come along for the ride. And if not, thanks for stopping by. The uh, UFC Fight Night last weekend. Was it? Nah, not this past weekend, the weekend before that was uh really good um i was torn in that fight because i like cruz um but crew but i really like dillashaw also dillashaw dethrone brown which i hadn't lost in like 10 years or some shit like that he was uh like a huge underdog you know i usually root for underdogs anyway that's like my nature that's what i lean towards always and seemed like a cool dude and stuff like that and humble Kind of get, kind of started getting. I don't know. I don't want to say cocky because uh, I don't know. So, so something was off with him. I, I don't know if I was buying into the hype. Maybe with him leaving Team Alpha Male and uh, doing his own thing. And when Team Alpha Male under Uriah Faber, you know, that's the like the team in the training camp that like brought him up. And then he decided to split off, and there was like a whole bunch of like tension because <clears throat> it was like for money or something like that. I don't know if I was buying into that type of shit too much. Um, but I still like him as a fighter, you know, he, he was a cool fighter, has a dope style, he's very, very, has excellent movement, and that's always, like, fun to see with the stand-up battles, and Dominic Cruz, which has always been known for that, had always had it in for, uh, the head of that camp that TJ Dillashaw came from, that he recently split off from, um, uh, Uriah, Uriah Faber and just the, the camp in, in general, like they, they always had like a vendetta or, or something like that. Um, he had two fights with Uriah Faber, the head of uh, team alpha male, uh, and he lost the first one in WEC, uh, in the other organization before UFC bought it out, uh, to a rear naked choke. And then the second one, he, it was a back and forth. I saw it recently on YouTube. It was a, a real back and forth fight. And uh, Dominic Cruz won. <clears throat> and there was always this, you know, they had to fight again type of thing to prove who's best. But the shit with uh, Cruz is that he always, he gets hurt easily. And in the past four years, if I have this right, he's fought for a total of one minute <laughs> in one fight that he came back and won. I forget again, too. And then got hurt again. And... So you haven't seen much of him. So, but he has this this story of he was the man in like WEC and when he started in the UFC, and he was uh, largely undefeated except for I believe that's his only loss to Uriah Faber. Uh, that rear naked choke when he was in WEC and he was undefeated in the UFC and he won the championship and he ne- and that was his title the um 
the title that he was fighting T.J. Dillashaw for. And he never lost it, but, you know, vacated it because, you know, he hasn't fucking fought in four years. And he came back. It was a, a back-and-forth battle. I could have seen it go either way. I'm surprised it didn't go uh, T.J. Dillashaw's way because, you know, to to beat the champ, you really have to, like, take it to him and, you know, beat him up. And... um it was really back and forth, and it was it was awesome performance on on both sides, and but really impressive that you know Dominic Cruz hasn't fought in four years, minus that one minute fight that he had, and he showed no signs of ring rust. He he claims that ring rust doesn't exist; it's all a mental thing or whatever, mind over matter type shit, and pretty much backed it up and did his thing, and now he's a champ, and it's a pretty cool story, and. I always like a good story. I'm a sucker for a good story. <clears throat> now, the interesting shit to me behind it, and I read a couple of articles on um, uh, MMA Weekly, I think, and, um, you know, just different different clips and reports that uh, the post-fight press conferences that they always do and shit like that, and um, post-fight interviews. And there's a very noticeable tension between uh Dana White which is the president of the UFC and and Dominic Cruz and uh, I hadn't known about it before but it's something I noticed and then you know reading different articles and stuff like that it's apparently a thing and that sucks but um I don't know it's interesting I wonder why I don't know why why the tension is there my guess is that uh Dominic Cruz kind of <clears throat> His from his point of view, he he was saying how he never knows what Dana White is thinking. Um, he didn't. He barely got like a handshake in the ring after winning the belt, and backstage he didn't see anybody from like the UFC brass and stuff like that. And kind of sounded like like not whiny, but because he he was saying I don't really give a shit, but you know this is what it is, and and um. Uh, you know, I, I would expect more than that, being that I just won the title. But whatever it is, what it is, and you never know what they're what they're thinking and stuff like that. So it kind of sounded like whining, but he was saying that it wasn't whining and and whatever. That's his point of view. Then I have no idea what Dana White's point of view is or um, Lorenzo's, uh, the the uh, other owner of the UFC, <clears throat> half of the Fertitta brothers, but. From their point of view, it must be like fuck, yo. Now we got this dude that won the championship in a in a match that you know maybe they 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 a controversial split decision, you know, that might not even be fucking market marketable, marketable because he's always fucking hurt. You know what I mean? And Dominic Cruz was actually like limping after the fight and in the post fight press conference. And this is why I think that that's uh, at least in the White's mentality. Because, like, in the post-fight press conference, uh, one of the reporters asked, uh, actually, it was funny, uh, Dwayne Ludwig asked, <laughs> which is TJ Dillashaw's trainer, instead of, you know, he pretending to be a reporter, and um, Dana White uh, picked him to ask a question, and and said, uh, said uh, yeah, you, Mr. Representative of the Media. Everybody, like, laughed about it, and um, Dwayne Ludwig asked, uh, when 
do or if Dana White thought that they should be setting up a rematch soon, being that it was a very controversial split decision, blah blah blah. You know, looking out for his boy. Um and Dana White said, Yeah, he doesn't know and he, he said and you know and it, and and it seems like he's already he he's hurt again already like he kind of said it kind of like like in a, with a frustrated like undertone uh that i sensed and unless i'm just you know looking too much into it don't don't take it from me but whatever that's what i got from it and um i don't know it's interesting interesting to see but it's not it's like i mean it's not his fault that the dude was fucking hurt and he was a dope champion before then he was taking it to one of the like beloved like single-handedly taking it to one of the beloved like teams of the of the ufc um team alpha male and and always had that like vendetta against them and shit um which is always interesting to see you know those kind of like uh backstories and stuff like that and that, that type of shit sells fights um but it sucks that he's not marketable but in it also in his defense uh i mean it must be frustrating regardless right like from the ufc brass point of view it's like we make money by selling fights and if you can't fight we can't make money so it's a moot point but um what i would say to the benefit of of the uh or not benefit um what's the word i'm looking for to the uh, I don't know, uh, in the plus column under Dominic Cruz is that he hasn't just disappeared like over those four four years. He's been one of the most, if not the most, like vocal um, commentator uh, for Fox Sports uh, UFC events and has done a hell of a job like promoting fights and and breaking down fights and giving commentary and stuff like that. So he's been around the game and, you know, recovered immaculately in not immaculately but we could it could have took him fucking four years but you know in four years with no fights comes in and wins a championship fight it's kind of like tip your hat off to the guy at least but whatever that's what i thought of that fight oh another dope fight that i saw that i actually missed it when it happened was the the robbie lawler and, and carlos condit fight um which was really good it I heard, um, I'm pretty sure it was on Rogan's podcast. They say that it was like a top 10 fight of all time or something like that. I didn't think so, um, personally, but, um, it was a really good fight. And the fifth round was definitely one of the best rounds I've seen in a long time. But one thing I would say about, um, I've always liked Carlos Condit and, uh, Rabbi Lala. I've been rooting for him for a while also. But Condit, I used to, like, for a long time, I've, been, uh, I've liked him. When he was going against GSP, which is, like, you know, one of the greatest of all time, I was actually rooting for Condit to win that fight. Um, I like his, I don't know, I just like his style of fighting. And he brought it to, to Robert Lawler. It was a dope fight, back and forth fight. <clears throat> it started off kind of slow, I thought, though. You know, there was a lot of, like, feeling out feeling each other out and but they both caught each other a lot and um like really good and got knocked down a a few times and and it was a great fight then in the fifth round it was one of those we left every single thing in the ring during that fifth round they were both exhausted you could just see them throwing punches and you know 
mustering up the energy to throw fucking haymakers and connecting with them and then missing with some and just at the end like they literally right next to each other the bell rang and they were like next to the the cage and they both next to each other both just raised their arms like on top of the cage like resting like how wrestlers do uh not wrestlers how uh fighters do when they when they uh go to the corner and stuff and put their their hand up like up against the railing just like breathing heavy and like fucking exhausted and it was a dope fight um sick fifth round uh definitely one the one of the sickest fights i've seen was robbie lawler uh the champion in that division and in that in that fight that i just mentioned verse i think it was his previous fight versus roy mcdonald that was a sick completely complete sick fight like the entire thing that is probably one of the top 10 fights i've ever seen and uh, you guys should check it out if you haven't seen it. If you like a good fight, that's definitely a good one. It's most likely like on YouTube or some shit. That was when um, Rory was like completely just lumped up everywhere. Just, his head looked like a fucking ball of lumps. And um, Robbie Lawler had his lip, like his top lip looked like a fucking cleft lip. Just like completely, like when he spoke that shit like opened sideways. It looked like the, you remember, uh, what's that movie, not Independence Day, Men in Black, when uh, Will Smith is chasing that cephalopod by foot, and he, it blinks, and then it blinks sideways, like, it does, like, the opposite, it blinks, like, the opposite way that it's supposed to, like, his mouth opened, like, up and down, like, you know, like, when you speak or whatever, and then it also opened, like, left to right, that shit was disgusting and sick, um, but brutal, brutal, sick back and forth fight. Fucking Warriors right there. Yeah, that's all I got in terms of uh, fights. Now to two movies that I saw uh, recently. One was The Big Short, which is really good. Wasn't as good as the book. I've always wanted to say that, by the way, and actually mean it. Um, but I... Was never like a huge reader until as of late, um, you know, the past few years and shit. And uh, I read The Big Short by Michael Lewis, who also wrote like The Blind Side and Moneyball. And he wrote the story of The Big Short, and it was an amazing book, really, really, really good book. And tells the the story of the 2008 recession and Wall Street collapse um, very well, very detailed. And f from that uh, interesting perspective of Michael Berry, which was one of the only people who stumbled into finance. He, was, he wasn't in finance. He was a, a doctor who, was, who had Asperger's and he was like into numbers and finance and reading prospectuses and shit like that. And he started like a blog, a newsletter thing about finance and giving advice on stocks and people are like what the hell is this doctor you know writing on his spare time about finance and people started following him and he was actually right on a lot of shit and then he got offered a job in finance and given like a fund of a few million dollars to run and he was one of the handful of people that saw the financial collapse coming before it actually came and bet against it or bet not against it, but against Wall Street and for the collapse to happen because he saw that it was inevitable 
um, when he dug into the numbers and that the system was uh, certain practices were completely fraudulent and fucked up, which they were, and that it was bound to implode on itself. So in stocks, you could buy stocks or bond bonds in companies that you think are going to do good. And when the companies do good, the stock price goes up and you make money, but you could also do the reverse. You could bet against companies which is called shorting and when they do bad below a certain point you make the spread in between of how low they go so he did that with pretty much the the entire housing market um which is where he found the the trouble and stuff like that so he was one of the the story revolves around him and the other handful of people that also saw that trend and shorted the housing market which is why it's called the big short and it's a dope movie they did a really good job in it again not as good as the book so if you guys want to check out the book and definitely the movie is definitely definitely worth a watch that was really good i like uh steve carell's character best in it um he did a really good job with that one and the other movie that i saw was the hateful eight which was dope um i'm a big uh tarantino fan as of late also and i have to see kill bill again because i remember i was speaking to my girl about this i remember seeing it kill bill i don't know one i probably saw two also i remember my brother just liked them if i'm not mistaken and i saw them with him a long time ago but i don't remember the movies i know it's about some chick that is into karate and swords and kills people and shit and um but i would like to see it again because now I'm more into Tarantino. Like I rewatched um, Pulp Fiction, and now The Hateful Eight, and um, saw the movie True Romance. Was that Tarantino? True Romance. I don't know, but I uh, I'm a fan of his work, and The Hateful Eight was really, really, really good. I really enjoyed it. I loved the way he told the story. Spoiler alert. It starts off in a certain way, and then he tells the entire story, and then at the end, fills in a piece of what happened before he started telling the story. Like he, I don't know, like picture a movie starting, I don't know, 20 minutes in. Picture you starting to watch a movie 20 minutes in. And then towards the end of it, it you get to see that first twenty minutes again, which is dope. That's how that's how he decided to tell to tell the story. And then after filling it, going back and telling that twenty minutes, then he added another, you know, ten or fifteen minutes to the end, the real end of the story, and did it that way. So it was it was really awesome how he crafted that. How he chose to tell that story, pretty much. Aside from the fact that it was a really good movie, really entertaining, great actors. Um, she was almost fucking, what was it, two and a half hours, almost three hours long or something like that. And it really didn't feel like it. Um, it was a really good movie. And and I'm not into those. It's like in the time of like Django, like the older, you know, kind of, I guess, Western, you could call it. I know Tarantino's a big... Um, uh what's it called westerns right western fan 
uh, I heard him on the Nerdist podcast, and he's big into those like Clint Eastwood, fucking Dirty Harry, fucking type movies and stuff like that. I've never been into that type of shit, and I guess he, you could definitely see his. western influence in his work and but it doesn't bother me um the way he does he does his movies um or at least this one and Django also um yeah definitely check it out guys the hateful eight it was really good i enjoyed it and i hope you guys do too hey what else do i got for you guys this week i was listening to Ari's podcast the skeptic tank and he mentioned in passing a website that I wound up writing down because it sounded um, interesting. I don't know why it sounded interesting, but, uh, well, the title of it is Humans of New York. Um, it didn't, it's not like he, like, spoke about it or said what it was. He was just speaking about it in conversation, saying something about, oh, yeah, you know, how certain websites get popular, like this website or Humans of New York or that website. And I was like, Humans of New York, I never heard of that. So I wrote it down. And wound up checking it out, and it's really cool. Um, <clears throat> for anybody who's already heard of it, uh, you're probably like, you fucking idiot, you didn't know about that. Um, but no, I didn't. So if there's anybody else like me who's late to the party, uh, check it out. It's called Humans of New York. It's pretty much a, I read the like about section of the, the dude that created it. I don't remember his name. But he was a kid that was into straight out of high school. He was into something. I forget what. But he stumbled upon finance and selling. uh, One of his friends hooked him up with a job selling bonds. And supposedly he did really good. He went to Chicago and he was doing it there. And he did really good for a while. And then he did really shitty. But he made some money. And um, then he did bad enough that he lost his job and then moved to New York, if I'm not mistaken, and wound up starting. I don't know if he started it right away or or how exactly happened, but eventually his story ends up with him creating Humans of New York, uh, this website, which is really interesting because he combined writing and photography in a very interesting way and a very digestible way, which I think is important, like in this day and age people are looking for you know short videos and and not like drawn out shit and um those that may be into like longer uh formats of things uh want control of it for example like uh like a netflix show you want the entire season all at once but you watch it whenever you want and as long as you want you know or podcasts you get to listen to them and pause them and stop them or rewind them and fast forward and do whatever the fuck you want you want like that kind of agency with it. you want that type of like ownership with it with things that that you're into i think nowadays um but he pretty much combines stories of uh he writes like these little like blurbs pretty much under pictures that he takes of people in new york of humans in new york and it's just completely random, completely, you know, just people in the street type of thing. People, you know, wearing weird clothes or with their babies and uh, with costumes on. And um, uh, there's a couple that I can think of off the top of my head that, that 
I remember at least one was a a black lady that had like this like loud kind of dre- like leopard dress on with a cool looking hat and shit and under her uh picture it said you don't have to show skin in order to get attention which is pretty cool um there was one dude like this indian looking nerdy like guy by the subway that was apparently a surgeon and he said that uh his most memorable and i guess he asked them for a quote and then or you know they tell him something and then he winds up writing a little blurb story about them um he said something to the effect of my most memorable operation was when i made i removed some someone's gallbladder and left such a small scar that he bought me a, a, a box of chocolates afterwards. That was one. And my favorite one that I remember was this little kid that he took a picture of this little kid with his father, like in the street. And the little kid said that when he grows up, he wants to be a journalist and he wants to interview the head of Nassau. And then somehow the, or another, the head of Nassau, I guess, saw the the blog or the website or heard of the story, caught wind of it, and reached out to the Humans of New York dude and got in touch with the kid and pretty much gave him, um, uh, the little kid, a meeting to go, like, interview him and stuff. And then he shows, uh, like, another picture of the kid with the guy from Nassau, and then he wrote a little story about that, and... Uh, the kid said that his favorite part of getting to interview the guy from NASA was like spending time there and being able to see the sunset. And he said that the people from NASA have this place where they can monitor the sunset from like different regions of the world and they get to see it 18 times a day, which was really cool. And that he hopes that when he gets older, he'll have um, an opportunity again to, to interview more people and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's pretty, it's a pretty interesting site. It's pretty cool. You kind of get lost in reading a bunch of little stories and just getting into, uh, it's like a little window into the lives of like perfect strangers or something, you know? And it's interesting, you know, people have, uh, their own shit going on. They got a lot of interesting people out there, a lot of interesting humans of New York. So check that out. If you guys think that that's something that may interest you. And if not, then just listen to, my podcast more so this way you know all the stuff that wouldn't interest you and by listening to my podcast you can weed them all out and what else do i got for you yesterday january 25th 2016 was the democratic town hall uh, which took place the iowa caucuses are about to happen i believe today actually um and it's like the first phase of voting uh, that happens in Iowa that that starts to they put like a big emphasis on it because it starts to, like set the the pace of who's who and what's what and yesterday the Democrats had a not a debate they had a different style a different format called a Democratic Town Hall where they had one candidate at a time of the three uh, current uh, Democratic candidates and they had one at a time with the uh, CNN. Um, CNN was, uh, hosting it 
and they had a moderator which would ask uh people that were there in attendance it was a town hall so it was a shitload of uh, i think it was like at some college or something like that and there was a bunch of like um people there and a bunch of humans there and um they would ask the candidates questions and the moderator would ask follow-up questions and stuff like that and it was a pretty cool format uh i liked it um bernie sanders went up first uh, martin o'malley was in the middle and hillary clinton was at the end and it was ironically i i i tweeted something to the effect of ironically this long-winded setup makes bernie much more digestible because i felt that he like Saoga when he's like in debates and he gets cut off and he's like on a on a like you know that's 30 seconds to respond and he's trying to like get a blurt a bunch of shit out and stuff like that this more like long-winded format for him worked out very well uh, he was able to explain his positions more so than in regular debates and he's not like cut off and stuff like that and i think that was very helpful for for him and his type of um his persona uh, so i think he stood out a lot more plus he had the the benefit of being first um so it's easier to like remember him and his positions like i was watching the uh, uh the young turks uh, live um debate watch or whatever they call it and they were saying also you know it has like that psychological <clears throat> excuse me that psychological um uh psychology dictates that you know you remember the first and the last um in like this type of thing uh or the first and the last thing that you see or that you listen to but the stuff in the middle is the stuff that you more easily forget so uh he had that going for him as well and he he's so damn he's fucking likable bernie and he's on the right side of a lot of the issues that at least i care care about as far as like um, his ideas for schools, uh, higher education, um, and making that a a public for those that that want it. Um, he made a, a good point, which is something that I've thought for a long time, which is that a uh, four-year college degree, a bachelor's degree now is like what a high school degree was when, like, we were growing up, you know? Like, it has, like, the same level of status now. Like, before, it was like, oh, this guy, you know, graduated high school, congratulations, that's good. But now it's like, graduating high school is like graduating junior high. Like, all right, you got to keep going, dick. And um, now that's what, maybe not completely, but what the four-year, like, a four-year bachelor's degree is becoming and is going to be soon. Like, the new norm is going to be that. So school shouldn't just be free and public from kindergarten to 12th grade it should be like through uh the four-year degree to you know keep up with the times kind of thing like i like that that idea and that approach if if feasible and um financially which it seems like it could be if you know which is some shuffling around of, of, of money with like all, all the stories of waste and shit that you hear um with military spending and stuff like that or just like waste in general because that's not necessarily waste but it's kind of like overkill in certain you know you could cut cut the fat a little bit 
um, but just wastefulness in, in general and how inefficient the government can be with a lot of its programs and and like legacy programs that are just like in place because people are like old politicians that want certain things in place and stuff like that and it's stuff like that is horrible if you could reallocate things and it makes sense and apparently it does if you know it's something that is pitching or unless you're just a bullshit politician like the rest of them um but uh yeah if it can be something that can be paid for then it's definitely something that i'm for also he's more for uh further along furthering along the intent uh that i believe it was the intent of of the obama administration with obamacare and and uh uh the shift in healthcare. you know he couldn't make it a complete you know 100 percent healthcare for everyone and a single-payer system because that would be too much of an intense shift um all at once so i think he turned the ship in that in the direction of that and someone like bernie maybe even hillary might be someone to see that that um plan the true plan come to fruition but definitely a republican in office won't won't go for that and it'll set that that uh that progress uh way back as well um what else but yeah it's gonna be tough because he's he's not he's democrat but not like super establishment you know he's not he's not super establishment and hillary is hillary and him are you know have a lot of similar um you know, she she's more for the public schools, uh, for higher education as well. But if people do some sort of like work study type of thing, which I'm for, also you know, make people earn it, make them deserve it. Um, and uh, so that's not a bad take for it. You know, at least she's like within the same vein um, of being for that. But her ties to to Wall Street worry me, and and just the fact that she's like so entrenched in the dnc and just i don't want it to be more of the same like i really think we're the country's like at this point where we need we need to mix shit up we need dramatic differences we need we need not not careless let's just shake shit up for the sake of shaking shit up but let's have the balls to do things that can work and let's see it through and try to make them work um because we're on a downward spiral i think in, in certain areas like with the crumbling infrastructure and not paying attention to stuff like like climate change and and things that are just like seem absurd like really really like what the fuck are we doing and um, more so, like, not even as a country anymore, just as fucking, like, humanity. As humans, folks. As humans of New York. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, so, like, more of the same scares me, and, but if it's, like, if we're gonna have more of the same, I don't know, I, I wanna say not even, I don't know, I wanna keep it on the Democratic side, 
but it's like if it's more the same it's more the same so might as well fucking throw trump in there see if he mixes shit up and we land on our feet or something like that and but but yeah that probably wouldn't be healthy um bloomberg throwing his hat in the race may be a very interesting play i like bloomberg yo he was a hard ass he did fucked up shit in the sense of of like when he fucked up politically things that were fucked up politically in terms of what he was the mayor of new of new york city and he extended term limits for those of you that didn't know that's when you know just like presidents uh mayors have uh term limits and certain politicians like city council members have term limits uh state senators do not have term limits so that's why you have like senators that have been senators since they were like 28 and they're like 60 years old and they're in congress and and uh, the state senate or and con- congressmen actually don't have term limits either, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe s- state senators do. No, no, state senators don't, and congressmen don't either, if I'm not mistaken. And um, <clears throat> that's at the federal level. The president has term limits. Obviously, he can only run two consecutive terms. And um, same thing applies to to uh, local um municipal politics at least in new york so he was the mayor for uh new york city and he was termed out you know he won two consecutive terms so he was mayor for eight years and he got the city to extend term limits to 12 years for a one-time only thing and then after he (laughs) did so successfully ran and won successfully and was mayor for another four years so for 12 years then the law reverts back to eight years and no other mayor could be a mayor for 12 years again and it's like you you could kind of sort of look at that two different ways this is the positive this is you know it's negative it's negative and fucked up in the sense of you know it's very self-serving it's very you know they say that he was worth two billion when he was he was uh uh first elected mayor and then after being elected mayor and putting certain things in place now he's magically his company bloomberg uh which is one of the biggest financial uh companies in the in the industry or the data uh vendors in the industry in the financial sector he is worth you know i don't know he was worth that when he was out of office i don't know 10 12 billion or something like that i'm talking out my ass but he was worth a lot more than what he was when he went into office and people say that that was part of it, but he did certain things that, so it's fucked up in that sense, but then the positive that I take away from it is that he was able to do it. You got to give some, there's some sort of credit that I give to that, that he was able to change the law, change the pretty much the constitution of the fucking city and have everyone go along with it and revert it back to how it was and he was able to do that across like party lines and stuff like that and and i guess in terms of dealing with the inevitable gridlock that a democrat or a non-republican will have with congress when they get into uh into office you need someone that's going to be able to get you done and bloomberg seems savvy enough well he did it at the new york at the at the city level which you can't compare to like a federal level um but he seems to have that ability to do shit like that 
um and uh hillary would be somebody else that i think would be able to you know work across the aisle uh probably a little better than bernie and although i would like uh, bernie's ideas in the body of someone that would be able to get certain things done like that um but what else would i like uh, about bloomberg uh what i liked was when he was mayor is you know he took hardline approaches for certain things like in new york um they got a lot of flack for but i thought were ultimately like good things like uh having the calorie count in um like fast food joints and stuff like that and and uh just like restaurants and in general like if you come to new york they you have the meals have calorie counts next to it so people know what the fuck they're eating and before that it's like you know you order big mac large fries and stuff like that and you think it's like a 200 calorie meal or something like that and it's really like 200 calories per fry <laughs> or something and it kind of brings like some sort of awareness but people think that it was a bit paternalistic but i think overall like the net benefit is kind of like a good thing because people see and you know make certain decisions accordingly also he took smoking out of restaurants um under under his watch and that's something that at the time that he did that i was a smoker i used to work in a bar and i was still for it you know what i mean i was like you know what it probably isn't a good idea to have all the smoke you know breathing in and out of your lungs all the time it's bad enough that i'm fucking sucking on the cancer sticks but you know fucking breathing it day in day out also is not a good thing and i was for it you know what i mean and all you know that by many fold bettered the experience of dining in restaurants and and you know going to bars and like stuff like that i think everyone now in hindsight uh, would agree so i don't know i think he he would be an interesting interesting mix up also you know what i mean he won't be as wild and, and crazy or not wild and crazy but as much of a loose cannon as let's say a trump but he has much more than Trump money, and which means he's not beholden to the status quo of of politics as usual. And uh, that's definitely a plus. Um, so he brings that little, at least what I'm looking for, you know, some something that's just not not the the status quo, not uh, not business as usual, something else that. I think that maybe he, I don't know where he stands on it. I would have to I actually look into it. Um, where Bloomberg stands on this, but getting money out of politics, Hillary's definitely not going to be go, going for that. Um, she's too establishment for that. But Bernie uh, is someone that sees that that is the root cause of many of the issues that plague um, our country politics today is money in politics and the influence of super PACs and the fact that uh companies can literally donate through super PACs unlimited literally unlimited millions and millions and millions of dollars hundreds of thousands of dollars to individual politicians and fund full campaigns and have politicians uh by politicians i mean congressmen and state senators um vote in ways that would benefit their best interest for their specific companies and stuff like that and um that's that's like the that's where the domino start that's the first domino that gets tipped over that fucks up and infests the rest of the system 
is money. Like that's the common denominator throughout all the shit. And Bernie's one that has taken the stance of wanting to get money out of politics as well, which I've spoken about in podcasts of the past in a reference uh Lawrence Lessig's book, Republic Lost, uh, which goes into that uh, very eloquently, which you guys should check out. And um I think that definitely Hillary wouldn't be for that and if she says she is, she's full of shit. Um, uh, Bernie at least says he's for that and someone I think like Trump or and or uh, Bloomberg are people that don't have to be uh, for that because they come from their own money you know what I mean so I mean that they would be for that getting money out of politics um, not that they well they could be obviously you know they could do whatever the fuck they want but they would be more so they wouldn't be as influenced as uh, one of the other candidates that would need, um, you know, public interest money to to run and to get reelected and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. That's what I thought of that town hall. And now I'm just gonna round off the show for you guys with a couple of stories that resonated with me from Zen Flesh Zen Bones, the book that I'm currently reading. The first one I'm gonna read is number eighty three. Story number 83, which is no work, no food. Hayakujo, that's an interesting name. The Chinese Zen master used to labor with his pupils even at the age of 80. Trimming the gardens, cleaning the grounds, and pruning the trees. The pupils felt sorry to see the old teacher working so hard but they knew he would not listen to their advice to stop so they hid away his tools that day the master did not eat the next day he did not eat nor the next he may be angry because we have hidden his tools the pupil surmised we had better put them back the day they did the teacher worked and ate the same as before in the evening he instructed them no work, no food. That was pretty dope. I like that. I always say that at the end of those, right? <clears throat> but it's true. It's like, get your shit done uh, to reap the benefits of what you do. Get your work done. And have the discipline enough to not reap your rewards or your benefits just because. Now, this is uh, obviously an extreme example. You kind of like a dude a little bit, you know, I could have starved to death, but <laughs> the lesson is there nonetheless. And I just dropped my fucking MP3 recorder and I may have just lost everything I just recorded, which was pretty much a full episode. I was about to round it out and read you guys the last story from Zen Flesh and Bones, which I'm about to read. And if you guys are hearing this right now, then that means I didn't lose the rest of it that I recorded. And I was able to recover it once I play with it a little bit on the computer. But if not, if you don't hear this, then that means that I had to re-record the entire fucking shit from the beginning. And which would suck. But such is life. Let me uh, read the last piece from the last story from Zen Flesh and Bones that I'm going to share with you guys today. 
and the name of it this is story number 95 and the name of it is a letter to a dying man basui wrote the following letter to one of his disciples who was about to die the essence of your mind is not born so it will never die it is not in existence which is perishable it is not an emptiness which is a mere void it is neither color nor form it enjoys no pleasures and suffers no pains i know you are very ill like a good zen student you are facing that sickness squarely you may not know exactly who is suffering but question yourself what is the essence of this mind think only of this you will need no more covet nothing your end which is endless is as a snowflake dissolving in the pure air and that was that i really like the last line which is your end which is endless is as a snowflake dissolving in the pure air which is kind of how um I don't know what I got from it. It's kind of like your end is endless, which means it doesn't really end, right? There's no end because after this life or whatever, you know, your spirit or your essence keeps going where, who knows? Um, but the metaphor there, which I like is as a snowflake dissolving in the pure air, not just in the air, but in the pure air. And it's kind of like the particles of, you know, snowflake, which I'm assuming is like ice, which is H2O just in solid form or semi-solid and then dissolves into the air, which is oxygen and and it just continues, you know? I don't know. I found that interesting and I hope you guys liked it too. <clears throat> and that's it, folks. That's the show for this week. I hope you guys liked it and I really fucking hope I'm able to recover that other portion of the episode that i recorded pretty much the entire fucking episode <laughs> and um that's pretty much it if you guys want to support the podcast you can do so by subscribing and reviewing to this podcast first and foremost on itunes and or stitcher or both if you guys want to have an iphone and want to download the stitcher app and hook a nigga up and um subscribe to both uh rate both and that would be cool uh, you can follow me on instagram or actually you can't follow me on fucking instagram you know why because instagram my sponsored instagram account got hacked i found out this morning i don't know why or how um but the they changed the email on it and i had to do some password recovery shit and emailed instagram and they're trying to figure it out and uh, supposedly they reactivated my shit but i still couldn't log into it so i don't know don't follow me on instagram for now but eventually i'll get it back and it's at spun today on instagram and definitely follow me on twitter at spun today that's where i'm most active and you guys can check out the facebook fan page facebook.com forward slash spun today and definitely subscribe to my newsletter that's something i want to i want to promote much more this year and um want you guys to sign up for because now that i have a book which you guys should definitely check out and 
um just for like podcast episodes of future writing pieces like free writing pieces or short stories that i put on the site and new photography and stuff like that if you're on the newsletter you'll be the first to know so you can go to spontaneity.com forward slash contact at the bottom of that page there is a little logo that says subscribe all you have to do is fill out your name and email address clips click click subscribe and you'll be the first to know about all that cool shit and you could also subscribe to the same newsletter by um filling out the uh like newsletter button icon thing on the facebook fan page facebook.com forward slash spun today and what else what else what else you can support also by shopping on amazon or on iTunes by using my affiliate links, which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash affiliates. And that is something that doesn't cost you any money extra for anything that you're already shopping for. It's pretty much you go to my website, click on my little uh, poster banner thing there for the website that you're looking for, whether it be Amazon or iTunes. And it takes you to the website like you normally would go to. And just for driving traffic towards their site, they give me a kickback. Uh, which would definitely help out. And um, that's pretty much it. Don't forget the questionnaire that's uh, always open for anybody to fill out. Uh, If you're interested, it's at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. Anybody who's into anything uh, creative or anything at all. It's a five-question questionnaire that I has uh, five open-ended questions. And your answers are read here on the Spontray Podcast on a future episode. If you want to be part of it, check it out. And that's pretty much it, folks. As always, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.